Welcome to episode 94 of My Circus, My Monkeys. We've been talking about getting your team ready for the fall for the past few episodes. Today, I want to talk about your onboarding process. We get so excited that someone will actually be there to get things off our plates that far too often we miss the boat on setting up our new hires for success. In this economy, not spending the time and energy properly onboarding someone might very well mean they reconsider their decision to work for you. But even if they stay, they're not going to be as productive without a proper onboarding process. If you've hired new folks in the last six months or plan to in the future, stay tuned. You're listening to My Circus, My Monkeys, the podcast for supervisors in education or any field that emphasizes growth and development. If you want to reign in the chaos and transform your team to better serve your students and clients, keep listening. This podcast explores essential information on supervision, employee engagement, and using a strengths-based framework to empower you and your team. We'll examine the latest research in psychology, neuroscience, education, and beyond to help you and your team get to the next level with your host, Ann Brackett, the Chief Engagement Officer of Strengths University. Last week during our Institute group call, someone, we'll call them Susan, was talking about their not-so-great experience at their current institution. In fact, even though Susan hadn't really been hired that long ago, she just accepted a new position elsewhere. Susan specifically mentioned that had she gone through an onboarding process, things might have turned out differently. The funny part, and not so much funny haha, is that Susan actually mentioned this to someone at the institution, and their reply was, you did go through our onboarding process. Womp womp. This story is good to introduce this topic because it illustrates two important points. First, You need to set up an onboarding process for your new team members to help them acclimate to their role, your department, and the institution. Second, that process needs to be about what they need, not about what you think you should give them. Clearly, whoever onboarded Susan thought she had what she needed to be successful, but they never asked her, and it turns out she didn't get what she needed. So much so that she didn't even think they'd done anything to onboard her at all. You don't want your new hires to feel this way. When someone starts working for your team, you want that person to become invested in the institution and your team, right? The more you can set them up for success, the better able they'll be to contribute to your team and the more likely they'll stay on that team. I mean, think of that whole hiring process. Do you really want to go through that again? Do you really want you and the rest of your team to have to do their work until you find someone new, if you can even find someone as good? Do you want students to lose that support in the meantime? Now that may seem a bit dramatic. I mean, what are the chances someone's going to turn around and leave right away? Yes, most people will give you more than a few weeks and even a few months to hope that you get your bleep together and help them understand what they need to do. What I'm really trying to emphasize here is that our current modus operandi in higher ed of putting out fires instead of planning for long-term success 
doesn't work when we onboard new staff members. All too often, the fire is either, oh no, Pat's leaving, or begging for more help and finally getting the approval to hire. Then you push and push the process along until you get that new person. But once their start date is set, you breathe a huge sigh of relief and think about how you can get back to focusing on all the work you couldn't do before because you are filling that gap. Unfortunately, moving on to other fires before you've got a team member set up for success means you're just setting up more fires down the line. Since I think it's far too much of a stretch at this point to ask you to refocus most of your time on long-term planning and success instead of putting out fires, let's just work with how most of you are operating right now. You need to treat onboarding like another fire that needs to be put out. You need to tell yourself, if this doesn't go right, this person won't be able to do everything I need them to do. It's just as urgent, if not more so, than the new student issue or project someone dropped in your lap. Why is it so urgent? Because if that person doesn't get what they need to be successful from you, at a certain point, they're going to think, maybe this isn't the place for me. And the good news for them is there are tons of folks hiring right now. Now, I'm sure most of you have some sort of plan to welcome the new Pat or Susan. You do all the technical stuff to make sure they get an email address, phone number, business cards, some binders or manuals about things they need to know, maybe even a welcome basket or lunch on the first day. You might even have a solid week of meetings and training set up for them. Yes, those are good. But what happens after lunch? What happens on day two? What happens on week two? At one of my previous institutions, HR had an onboarding day that new employees were supposed to attend. Now, they did them in batches, so it wasn't always coinciding with a new person's first day, but it covered all the HR things they needed to know. So things like their benefits, important policies, etc. But some supervisors outright told HR their new person was too busy for that and they weren't going to attend. Now, how is that attitude helpful to the new employee? It isn't. It's only helpful for that supervisor who feels so overwhelmed that they need that person to do all of the things now so they can feel less stressed. You need to put yourself in the shoes of your new hire and what they need to be successful. Short term, sure. Hey, get to work makes it seem easier on you and the team members who've already been there. But long term, it's a losing strategy. But even if your HR department does a great job explaining HR things to new people and you let them attend, that doesn't help them adapt to their new job. The only person who can do that is you, their supervisor. You know what they need to be doing. And let me qualify that by saying, if this person has a specialized role, you may not know all of those details, but you know the outcomes you need from that person. You know the resources that they could use you know which strategic partners they need, and you know the culture. So let's break down what you need to consider when creating a solid onboarding plan. If you've been listening for a while, you know that a strong team is an engaged team. Likewise, your best and most productive employees are going to be engaged ones. So back to the Q12 we go. And if you're not familiar with the Q12, that's Gallup's engagement survey. I've done episodes about the Q12, so feel free to check those out. But in a nutshell, Gallup looked at all the data 
and narrowed down the most important engagement factors to 12 elements, thus the Q12. In our onboarding discussion, I want to focus on Q1, I know what's expected of me at work, Q2, I have the materials and equipment I need to do my work right, Q3, at work, I have the opportunity to do what I do best every day, Q4, in the last seven days, I've received recognition or praise for doing good work, Q5, my supervisor or someone at work seems to care about me as a person, Q10, I have a best friend at work, and Q11, in the last six months, someone at work has talked to me about my progress. Now, the very first question, Q1, I know what is expected of me at work. Your new employee is going to have very little idea what's expected of them. Yes, of course, they read the job description and got a feel for it during the interview, hopefully. But how they need to go about implementing those duties in your particular department at your specific institution is going to need to be explained. And as you're explaining it to them, you need to be very clear on the expectation of those duties. I've also done episodes about setting clear expectations in the past, so be sure to check those out if you miss them. Clear expectations from day one will save everyone a ton of time, energy, and frustration. You want your new folks to start out on the right foot and on the same page. The second thing we want to consider is Q2. I have the materials and equipment I need to do my work right. And this goes hand in hand with Q1. Your new team member needs to not only know what's expected of them regarding their duties, but they also need the resources to do those things right. If you're withholding information they need to be successful, that's a barrier to their success and your team's productivity. Now, this can happen for many reasons. Maybe you never had a proper onboarding process yourself, so you didn't think it was that important. Maybe you were so busy, you just didn't plan ahead. Or maybe now that they're here, you feel too busy to make time to explain things to them. It doesn't matter why, just know that it's going to impact their success and engagement. To set them up for success, you need to take that job description and figure out what they need to know and what resources they need to put that knowledge into action. Then you need to establish a timeline of how they're going to get up to full speed. Now, it may be tempting to make the timeline, okay, do all these things now. But again, that's valuing your need to not do those things over their need to really understand their position and be successful. Now, some people might very well just want to jump in on certain things, but that's going to vary from person to person. Make a plan that offers a good deal of support and then adjust as necessary. It often makes sense to have your new person shadow whoever's currently handling X until they get a good sense on how to do it. Have new folks attend meetings with you, but let them know that at this point, their job is to just take it in. Are you busy? Yes. Are your team members busy? Yes. But quite frankly, none of you are going to suddenly get everything done and stop being busy if you just throw everything on the new person's plate. Again, Treat this with the urgency you would a student issue or a directive from the campus president. No matter how you structure the support, you also need to think about Q4. In the last seven days, I have received recognition or praise for doing good work. Now, of course, recognition or praise implies positive reinforcement. This is absolutely important. People need to know that they're on the right track, especially as they start out. But in general, 
we're talking about getting feedback. If your new people don't get any feedback on how they're doing, they're not going to know whether or not they're on track. They may think they're doing great and get surprised when weeks later, or even worse, at their annual review, you tell them they aren't living up to your expectations. Or they may just spend their energy constantly worrying that they're not living up to your expectations. Either way, that's a lot of time and energy they aren't putting into doing the things that you, your team, and your students need. And just as a reminder, this can happen to your not-so-new employees as well if they're not getting frequent feedback from you. So you want to make sure you've created a system where as a supervisor, you're giving consistent feedback to everyone on your team. Now, at this point, you may be thinking, sure, Anne, I get that I need to explain some things, but I've hired someone with loads of experience. They'll obviously know how to do their job. Well, they certainly did at their old positions, but the people they're supposed to connect with, the processes they're supposed to use, and the culture of this position at this institution are going to be different. Of course, folks with lots of experience can eventually figure things out. In fact, even people new to the profession can eventually figure things out. But the question really is, if you want someone contributing at full capacity as quickly as possible, why would you leave it to chance? Eventually, it could be two months, or it could be two years. In addition to taking longer to adapt to their new position, they're going to be wasting a huge amount of time and energy figuring things out instead of just doing. What's the point of making them do this when you already know the information? So I want to go back to this idea of balancing the needs of you and the team versus the needs of the new employee. Again, I'm talking about being so relieved that someone new is here to release the pressure on everyone else that you throw them into the fire without considering what they need to properly get up to speed. So let's dig into Q5. My supervisor or someone at work seems to care about me as a person. You checking in with them and seeing what they need to be successful is not just about being nice. This is something that Gallup's research has shown to increase employee engagement. And I absolutely understand the desire to give this person all the work right away so you and your team can be less stressed. I mean, the reason we want to do this is so that we can protect our exhausted and overworked team members, right? It's because you care about your team and hopefully even yourself as people. Well, it doesn't really make sense to stress out the new person just because they're new. It's easy to think about this in terms of, well, we're exhausted. This person's new, so they've got lots of energy and aren't stressed at all. Um, Not if you hired someone who was working in higher ed. Why do most people leave their jobs? Because it's gotten to be too bleeping much. Just because they were professional enough not to tell you how awful their old job was, too stressful, unorganized, whatever it was, doesn't mean they are any less stressed than you or your current team. In fact, one of the things that might be weighing on their mind most is, oh God, I hope this job isn't as stressful, isn't as awful as my last position. Don't give them a reason to immediately regret their decision. Care about them as much as your current team members, if for no other reason, because they are now your team member. So I'm going to skip around and jump to Q11. In the last six months, someone at work has talked to me about my progress. Consider your new person as being new for at least six months. Ideally, you're not going to wait six months to check in on any of your team members, 
But at the very least, make sure that you do. You want to make sure that they're headed in the right direction and becoming the team member you need. You want to make sure you're taking the time to find out if there's anything they still need from you to fully adapt to the role and the team. And if there are areas you feel need improvement, you need to make sure they're again being given the materials and equipment they need to be successful. And as a bonus, if you do it right, checking in often gives you credit for Q5 as well. Okay, so let's go back to Q10. I have a best friend at work. Now, I've talked about how this is one of the weirder engagement questions of the Q12, so I don't want to get into that here. But I do want to focus on it as we're thinking about onboarding. You want your new team member to get connected around campus with all the folks they need to know to make them successful. Yes, most of those connections are going to be directly related to their job, but there may be other people you want to introduce them to just so they feel like they belong on campus as quickly as possible. Now, there are folks who are very comfortable going out and meeting people themselves. Yes, I'm talking about the woos, but that's not most people. Other people will do it when necessary, but it can be stressful. In fact, some people may put it off longer than is ideal because it's not in their strength zone and it stresses them out. If you can ease those connections, you're going to improve that person's chance of success. So introduce your folks to people around campus. It will help them do their job more successfully, but perhaps just as importantly, one of those introductions might become their best friend at work. And speaking for myself, I've stayed at many a job longer than was perhaps good for me because of those best friends. Now, of course, you want people staying for more than they like seeing Brenda or Frank every day. But engagement consists of a number of factors. The more you have, the higher your new team members' engagement will be. And that's really what this is all about, getting people off to the best start with a high level of engagement. Don't depend on your new hire's own motivation and excitement about the position to push them through. They won't last long on their own momentum, especially if they're suddenly overwhelmed with too much to do and confused about how to do it. Give them reasons to continue to be excited. Give them reasons to decide they made the right decision as quickly as possible. It's much easier to start out on the right foot instead of trying to fix things later. That being said, if you've hired new people in the last six months or even year and you realize you didn't do the best job onboarding them, it's not too late. Connect with those folks now. Check in and find out how they're doing. Let them know where they're succeeding and where they might still need work. If necessary, apologize to that person for neglecting them. Let them know that you want them to succeed and you're sorry you allowed your busy schedule to distract you from giving them the support they need to be successful. Then come up with a plan together to get them the information, introductions, or resources they need. Now, one thing I want to clarify is that it's always a good idea for you to proactively make a plan before the new person starts. After all, you know what they need to be doing. But once they get there, this should be adaptable, depending on the needs of the person. They may not need any support in some areas, but a lot of supports or resources than you thought in other areas. As you're having these discussions, don't just leave it at, do you have any questions or do you need help getting started? Why? Because most people are so anxious to prove they deserve the job 
they're going to try and do things themselves, even if it takes more time and energy. Set up the expectation that they should work with others to make sure they have a firm foundation for success. Once they let you or whoever they're working with know that they've got it, you can let them run with things. Now, you may have noticed that my suggestions here, they're broad strokes. I haven't told you to do blank during week one, blank during week two, etc. And that's because each position, team, and person are different. But do think about this process in terms of a six-month timeline, week one, week two, month two. You want to start out heavy on information and check-ins. Have a schedule set with any current staff or campus partners that the person might need to meet or get training from. Now, don't jam pack it so full that the individual has no time to process or practice what they're learning, but don't leave it up to your new employee to seek out the people and information they need. During that first six months, you want to remember this person is new and check on them as much as possible. Now, hopefully you're meeting with all your team members on an individual basis regularly. And so however often that is, meet with this new person even more frequently. Now, some people may not need as many check-ins, but it's better to assume that they do and cut back if necessary than be frustrated you have to set aside more time with them. During this time, you also want to get to know this person, especially their talents. So remember Q3. At work, I have the opportunity to do what I do best every day. If you are not already using a strengths-based approach, I recommend you start. Have them take the Clifton Strengths Assessment. Discuss the results with them and how they can use them to be more productive in their new role. The more quickly they can find ways to maximize their strengths in their role, the more engaged and productive they'll be. When someone starts a new job, they have to create these new habits on how they're gonna get things done. And those habits are driven by their talents. You want to help coach them establish productive habits from the start. That's going to be way easier than trying to fix things later by coaching them to change their habits. Just like you want your new team members to be engaged in their work, you need to be engaged in your new hire success by creating an onboarding process that puts their needs front and center. Don't get distracted by meetings, projects, or getting more of your own work done. This is your work. And if you've been doing part or all of this person's job, then you can't really say you're too busy. I mean, you are literally just doing all of that work too. But even if that's not the case, because this is a new position or the previous person was replaced quickly, if there was a crisis or a student issue that popped up, you'd make time for that, right? We make time for the things that are important to us. This should be important to you because the success of your team and your new hire depends on it. When you do take the time and energy to create a comprehensive onboarding plan, you'll be rewarded with a highly engaged and productive team member. That's a win for you, your team, and your students. Now, in the last episode... I mentioned that we were going to do two small team workshops this July. If you have a small team, you can register your team for one of these workshops for just $125 a person. You and your team will participate in our half day, so that's three and a half hours, introductory strengths workshop. We'll put your team in their own breakout room for discussions and the team building exercises, so you still get that private training feeling. 
And if anybody on your team hasn't taken the Clifton Strengths Assessment yet, you'll also be able to purchase codes for that as well. The workshops are going to be on July 14th and 27th. Now, since this episode drops on July 13th, that's probably too late to get organized, but we'd love for you to join us on July 27th. There's a link in the show summary to get more information and to register. Oh, and if you found this episode helpful, please leave a review and share with other supervisors. So remember, make a plan for your new hires that goes beyond the first few days and factors in the engagement elements we discussed today. If they've already started, check in with them ASAP to see where they still need assistance. And until next time, stay strong. Thanks for listening to My Circus, My Monkey. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as other episodes, on our website, www.strengthsuniversity.org slash mycircus. If you found this podcast valuable, please share it with your friends and colleagues so we can empower and support supervisors everywhere. Finally, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. As always, Alicia and I are here to support you as you reflect on where you are and where you want to go. One great way to invest in yourself and your team is to join us for the summer cohort of the Supervisor Strengths Institute. We are revamping the Institute this summer to make it even more manageable for your busy schedule. It is the same great content, but we've condensed it so you can work through each week's modules and start implementing change even faster. We know that life can too easily get in the way of you staying on track, so we've also added a bonus for everyone who completes all eight weeks of learning. You will get an additional 60 minutes of our time, and you can use that for more individual coaching, a short team session, or to receive a discount on a longer team workshop. Our Summer Institute starts on May 28th, Go ahead and register now. Check it off your list. We want you, your team, and your students to shine their brightest. And that starts with you. So join us for the Summer Institute using the link in the show notes. Or if you have questions about the Institute or other services, contact us at Anne, and that's A-N-N-E, at strengthsuniversity.org. Thanks for listening to My Circus, My Monkey. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as other episodes, on our website, www.strengthsuniversity.org slash mycircus. If you found this podcast valuable, please share it with your friends and colleagues so we can empower and support supervisors everywhere. Finally, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. <laughs>